the Links and Locks podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Links and Locks podcast. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is Len Hochberg from Rotowire. And this week, oh boy, we got a doozy. This is the week for the, the serious fans, the serious betters, the serious DFS players. Your casual golf fan buddy who's like, oh man, you catch the event this past week? They're probably not going to be talking to you much about the Mexico Open. But this is where we can make our money. This is where all that research you've been doing for the last handful of years is going to pay off, where you know these players more than some other people do. Len, I ain't going to sugarcoat it. This is not going to be one of the best fields that we see all year. We've got John Rahm, and then we've essentially got everybody else. Talk to us a little bit about your game theory for this week's Mexico Open. Pouring over the research, uh, you know, that's what it takes when we get a new course. This course is on the west coast of Mexico by the Pacific Ocean. So a lot of people think Mexico, they're going to think elevation. No, we're right at sea level. This is a long course. It's almost 7,500 yards. It's only a par 71. So long, no elevation by the ocean. We're going to get some wind. Indications are it's wide open off the tee. This is a Greg Norman design because Greg Norman needs to be mentioned every 12 (laughs) minutes now in PGA Tour golf. Guarantee he won't be mentioned that often on the broadcast this weekend. No, no, he won't. But in researching it, It's long. It's just wide open off the tee. I mean, it just seems perfect for him to just let fly. So I think for the first time in a few weeks, the longer hitters will have an advantage. Paspalum all over, not just the greens, every surface, as they say on the website, wall-to-wall Paspalum, in case you want to do it at your home as well. This is familiar with Mayacoba, Puerto Rico, Punta Cana, the Dominican Republic, the other courses in the general region. But there are a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of water on the course. As I mentioned, it should be pretty windy, at least in the afternoon. So we're flying blind a little bit. It sounds like there's not that many defenses other than the wind and the length. The players of today can combat at least the length. Wouldn't be surprised if we get 20 under, but we get some sort of birdie fest this week. Yeah, I agree with all of that you just said, Len. I think distance over precision this week. I think long and mid-iron play is going to be a major factor. I think that players who are proficient from 175 yards to 200, 225, that's going to be a very important metric this week. And I agree with you about scoring this week as well. I think some people look at it and say, boy, it's nearly 7,500 yards. The wind could blow. There are water hazards everywhere. 55 bunkers on the golf course, only a par 71. Might be a tough scoring week. And yet, What we've seen from the PGA Tour over the past 10, 15, 20 years that anytime we have a new venue on the PGA Tour schedule, not a one-off, and I'm not talking about major championships, which are not run by the PGA Tour, but an actual PGA Tour event, which we at least believe that is going to be at this venue for a while, they tend to err on the side of caution. Look, the last thing they want to do in an inferior, weaker field is beat these guys up this week and then see if they can get more players to come next year. That's not going to be the MO for this one. And so I would not be surprised, like you said, to see something in the low to mid-20s under par win this event this week. All right, let's start 
getting into the plays. And I mentioned it, John Rom in the betting markets, plus 350. He's as short as that on DraftKings this week. It's Rom and it's everybody else this week. You're going to have to make a decision. Quite frankly, I am not on John Rom. I could see this being a Fortinet championship type of week. Remember the season opener a week before the Ryder Cup? John Rom had similar odds, wound up missing the cut, getting to the Ryder Cup early. Seemed like he wasn't fully motivated and inspired to play that one. I could see a similar type of circumstance this week. All right, before we get into anybody else, John Rom at 11,300 in DFS. Are you yes, Rom, or no, Rom, this week? The 11300 price does not match plus 350 If you would have told me we're going to see 12-1, 12-2 in this field, I would have said, yeah, sure. I wouldn't have blinked an eye. He's actually very favorably priced. And I do think he is going to take this tournament seriously. This is a very big deal in Mexico within the Latin and Spanish community. There are going to be a lot of those players coming over, like Rafa Cabrera Bayo is going to be there. I think Rom will take it a little more seriously because of that. Plus, he's probably looking to play well because he hasn't been playing well at all. So I think he can compete this week. Of course, he can't compete. I think he will compete this week. I'm on the other side of that. I will fade Rom. I just don't see there being enough salaries lower down the list that I can get to. If I put Rom into a lineup, look, it's not that I don't like John Rom. It's just that I don't know that I can put together many lineups with Rom at the top and then five other guys that I trust this week. And so, yeah, I might try it at some point, but I'm probably fading Rom for the most part in DFS. The rest of the guys in the five figures, Tony Finau at 10-4, Abraham Answer at 10-3, Kevin Knott at 10-1, Patrick Reed at exactly 10,000. Quite frankly, and Lynn, I will say that the good news this week is that my player pool is very small. Hmm. The bad news is my player pool is very small. And so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm essentially looking at the same guys. I'm going to have a lot of very similar lineups where I take, okay, here's a six-man lineup. I'll take those four guys, put them with two others. Then I'll take these four and put them with two other players where there's a lot of overlap in my lineups. I essentially like guys this week or don't like them from the five-digit range. 10,000 or more. Finau is the only guy that I really like. I know it has been a great year for Finau. He's been better lately. And I look at Tony as a guy that there's a reason why he's playing. And we're going to talk about Gary Woodland in just a second too. He's 9,900 just below these players. There's a reason why guys like Finau and Woodland are showing up this week and most of their peers aren't. It's not because they have to. It's not because they need to. It's because they want to. It's because they feel something in their games they feel like they're moving ahead and they can gain some momentum and, and maybe they can pick off a win at a place like this against a weaker field. And so for that reason, I like both of those guys this week, but uh, for that 9,900, I guess, if, if we make that cutoff Woodland and above range, it's really just Woodland and Finau for me. I like both of them as well. I think Woodland is going to be a real sweet spot for the DFS community, DraftKings community. I think we're going to see a lot of Gary Woodland this week. You know, it doesn't cross into the five-figure barrier. Tony Finau, well, we could be snarky and say he's won on Pespal and Green before. Not exactly a badge of honor to claim that. But, you know, he's not playing well, but he's top 50 on tour this year in strokes gained tee to green. That gets you in the Hall of Fame in this field. So let's put things in perspective. I do like Finau. I do like Woodland. I'm not big on Na. I'm not sure why Na comes to a course. You know, he always says these long ones are trouble. Patrick Reed shows up just about everywhere. So he's there, but not playing well. So yeah, Woodland is going to be very popular. Yeah, I agree with that. Looking at the rest of the guys in the 9,000s, here's where all my big guns lie. Uh, Underneath 
Woodland just below him. He's 9,900. We've got Munoz at 9,800. Tringali 97. Kirk 96. Aaron Wise 95. Champ 94. Todd 93. Knox 92. Strowman 91. And Matt Jones at 9,000. I've got a bunch of guys in this range that I do really like. Uh, going from the top of the board where I'm fading almost everybody to uh, just below them where I like a lot of the guys. And I mentioned Woodland already. I'll follow that up with Munoz is one of my favorite players on the board. He's been between 21st and 39th in each of his last six starts playing really well, just not great. Hasn't had that breakthrough performance yet, but he's in an event where he's going to look around and go, I'm one of the best players here. I have a chance to go out and win this one. I like Munoz a lot. Kirk is a guy that you and I have both been on a lot recently. And he's a guy that I still like, don't love him, but I like him this week. Aaron Wise, my favorite outright play on the board this week. The number's getting shorter as we speak, just with more players withdrawing from the field. But I do like Aaron Wise a lot. Cameron Champ is going to be very popular. I've already seen a lot of Champ this week. I don't love him as much as I think the rest of the betting and DFS community does, but I can see some Cameron Champ this week. I looked at Cameron Champ because he's an obvious consideration, long hitter. He was doing nothing coming into the Masters, did well in the Masters. He sort of did that last year as well. So I went back and I looked, what did he do after the Masters last year? And he pretty much did nothing right after the Masters. He went yeah. back to struggling again. So obviously, ding, 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 something in Augusta with Cameron Champ. Remember that for next year, but he just hasn't been playing great. I really like Cameron Tringali. He might be my pick in my one-and-done pool. He got screwed, really. I mean, he was 51st in the rankings. He couldn't get into the Masters. Now he's back in the top 50. I mean, he's a top 50 golfer. He actually is only 20 to 1. When I last checked the DraftKings Sportsbook, he was part of a four-way tie for the second choice behind Rom. Good stats across the board, obviously playing well, 19th in greens and regulation. I kind of like Aaron Wise, as you mentioned. I like Matt Jones better because he's $500 cheaper. Jones really just kills it off the tee, doesn't seem to not really care where it goes. This week, that strategy may not get you into too much trouble. You can really let it go. He's like 189th in driving accuracy. So if that doesn't get him into trouble, then he can go from there and the rest of his game is pretty good. All right, let's get down to the eights here. Again, we're going to race through these a little bit just because it's not the most exciting mix of players, but Doug Gim, Sahith Figala, Aaron Rye, Carlos Ortiz, Davis Riley, Charles Howell, Lonto Griffin, Taylor Moore, C.T. Pan, Mark Hubbard. Not much for me here, but I'll preface all this by saying Sahith Figala might be my favorite play. Not necessarily a favorite outright play, but just favorite play as far as value across the board, both in the betting space and the DFS space this week. I'm telling you, the kid is really, really good. I've been saying this for months now. You're not going to find him at these numbers a year from now in big fields, let alone in inferior fields like this one. Take it while you can get it. I think he's got a good chance to win this week or at least contend for this title. Carlos Ortiz missed four cuts in a row. I don't necessarily love the narrative of, hey, they're in Mexico and he's from Mexico, so he's more inspired. I think if anything, it puts a little more pressure on a guy like that. We've seen Abraham Anser, also from Mexico, play in the WGC Mexico Championship in the past and never really played that well. Had a 12th place finish, but a couple of finishes outside the top 25 in a smaller field event. But I do think Ortiz is a player that has at least moved his value low enough that we can play him in a field like this. Then Mark Hubbard, 
who's been playing really well this year. Good ball striker at 8,000. Look, I never thought I'd sit there and say Mark Hubbard at 8,000 is a really nice play. But again, compared with the rest of the field, I think he's a decent play there, Len. And on top of all the pressure of being from Mexico for Carlos Ortiz, he's also a Vedanta sponsor. So they're going to want some bang for their buck from him there as well. Tagala, I like. He's another guy like Matt Jones. He just seemingly just lets it rip off the tee and doesn't, I don't want to say doesn't care where it goes, but it doesn't slow him down. And I think he's going to find himself in position after his tee shot where he's still going to have a play to the green. That should help him this week. Somehow, Davis Riley is outside the top 100 in both strokes gained tee to green and in putting, yet he's 23rd in birdie average. Riley has shown the ability to play well. I look for a good bounce from him. And Charles Howell, 8,400, you know, obviously 42 years old, not what he once was. But he can bring it from time to time. He was fourth at the Valero. He still hits it far. He's a great wedge player. 26 on tour in greens and regulation. Those are my 8,000s. I've got a few that I really like here. I'll let you start with the 7,000s, Len, and see if we match up any of the guys we like here. Yeah, I've got about four or five guys in here because, well, we got to pick them in all price ranges, I, I right. guess. But I mean, but. Yeah. Uh, all, all the way at the top, Chad Ramey. Ramey won a tournament last month in Punta Cana on Pespalum, which, of course, is a good sign. What I also like is that he did not have a hangover after winning uh, his first tournament. He came out, he made his next two cuts, the Bolero, Hilton Head. Wasn't great, but a lot of guys just go into a funk after that. The concern with him is he's not a long hitter, but you don't have to be a long hitter. It helps this week. Austin Smotherman. There we go. Won this tournament four years ago. It means nothing. It was on a different course. <laughs> exactly. A 24-hour <laughs> drive away from this one. <laughs> Any, anyway, uh, that's not why I'm, I'm picking him. He's made five of his last seven cuts. He played well at Torrey Pines. He was 11th, another long track. He's another guy hits it far off the tee. Wyndham Clark, we've talked about him. Mm-hmm. Long off the tee, good putter. Somehow that hasn't translated into better results. But again... This is just a bad field, and Wyndham Clark becomes a much better player just being in it. 7,400, Alex Smalley, he was runner-up to Chad Ramey at Punta Cana. His putting numbers are terrible, but he obviously putted somewhat okay on the Pespalum greens, and he's a pretty long hitter, 56th in greens in regulation. Again, that's excellent for this field. Made more than half his cuts. He made cuts at Torrey Pines, Riviera, long courses, and then Peter Uline down at 7,000 uh, is another guy. If I'm going to have to wedge him into a lineup, really struggling to get his game going, but he's made his last six cuts, four on the PGA Tour, two on the Corn Ferry. Obviously, just getting through to the weekend, it will be good this week from the lower guys. I had a feeling we might have some of the same guys in that range, and we wound up with three of them. I'm going to be on Smotherman. Smotherman's a really good mid and long iron player. I think this could be a smash place for him. I saw the same thing. 2018, he set the four-round scoring record at the Mexico Open. It was literally 1,363 miles away from Vedanta Vallarta, where they're playing this week. It means nothing except, I I don't know, we have nothing else to go on. He's won this event. That's more than anyone else has done here. So maybe, I don't know. Wyndham Clark, I'm with you on that one. Alex Smalley is a guy that I've had on my radar for a while now. And this should, could, would be a good course for him. A couple other names in that range. Scott Stallings, 
on a longer golf course, actually having a really nice year this year, didn't play well in his last start at Harbor town, but that's not a good course for him. Anyway, this should be more up Stallings alley. Just rip it off the tee, hit some uh, stingers out there with those long irons. I, I can see him playing well. Kramer Hickok is a guy who quite frankly is undervalued this week in the betting marketplace. I saw him at 200 to one. Look, he got into a playoff last year. We all remember that an eight hole playoff right. against uh, Harris English at the Travelers Championship. And so this is a guy that at least knows how to get there. And that was a, a field with some much better talent in it. So he's not playing his best golf, but he's certainly a guy that we could watch. Joseph Bramlett has been eh, quite honestly sort of average lately, but I could see throwing him into some lineups. I'll say the same for Andrew Putnam as well. Tipping down to the six thousands. Look, you and I don't like getting into the six thousands in a normal week when some of those guys actually have some value. A week like this, whew, it's going to be really tough. I'll throw a few names out at you, and in one of them at the end, I really like. But Peter Amalnati is either really good or really bad for DFS, and you need to get yeah you know, save some money out there. Maybe you get the really good Peter Malnati, and maybe it helps you. Trey Mullinax doesn't excite me too much, but a really long hitter. And maybe that distance is a massive benefit this week. Ben Griffin, four top tens on the Corn Ferry Tour this season. He's already got a couple of runner-up finishes out there. This kid can play. He's going to get there and say, this essentially looks sort of like a Corn Ferry field. Shouldn't be too much intimidation. And then a guy I really like. They did the Monday qualifier a week early for this event. And so Patrick Flavin got through this one. He's played three PGA Tour events already this season. He's made the cut in all three of them, a best finish of 21st. In similar types of fields, the previous three, I could see Flavin having a really good week at 6,500. He's honestly one of my favorite players on the board this week, Len. None of our guys match. That doesn't mean it's amazing we had overlap in the 7,000s. I'll be honest that Callum Tarrin is not a name that I have said Many times before, okay, never before out loud until just now. But just looking down the board, 31-year-old Englishman, rookie from the Corn Ferry Tour, long hitter, decent numbers, greens in regulation, top 10 in Eagles made. I guess you're going to have to make some Eagles or it'll help if you make some Eagles. He was 30th at the Honda. We're going back a little bit. Callum Tarrant. Kevin Tway, really interesting, kind of a tale of two seasons. He really started out well. He's 6,500, made the cut at Torrey Pines, made the cut at Phoenix, made the cut at Riviera really well, but he's been not making the cut lately. He's missed five cuts, plus he withdrew from the Valero with a wrist injury. So maybe he's hurt, but he came back and he played the RBC the next week or the next time. Missed the cut. And he played last week at the Zurich. Missed the cut. 6,500 could be a bargain. Big hitter. 30th in putting. I'm really trying to at least offer one player, one pick under 6,500 to my readers every week. And this week, I'm going all the way down to 6,100. Jim Knaus. He is 787th in the world. He hasn't made many cuts, but he did make in Puerto Rico and in the Dominican Republic. His stats aren't terrible. In fact, he is first on tour in strokes gained around the green. Not as many reps as a lot of guys, but also 20th in putting, 23rd in birdie average. In this field, those numbers take a flyer on them. You're now joined by the hosts of the Better Golf Podcast, Nick Brettwish and Spencer Aguiar. These guys are golf betting experts and specialists in the finishing position markets here to provide their favorite top five, top 10, and top 40 plays 
for this week's Mexico Open. We are very excited to be back with the Action Network after a couple week layoff. Uh, I got married, went on a honeymoon, all that. It is not the Caribbean weather in Chicago that I return to right now. It feels like it's winter. It's like 42. But we will get after the top placement market for the Mexico Open. It is a very small card for me. Just don't really like this field at all. A lot of the stars are out. Daniel Berger withdrew, and we got John Rahm pretty much against the world. Top 40 for me. My models seem to like Charles Howell a lot on DraftKings. That is even money at plus 100. My price is at minus 140, and my model FanDuel is at minus 130. Points bet, I believe, is at minus 143. So we got some good pricing discrepancies there. He's great on long, easy courses. Six top 40s this season, and I like the iron play, the long iron play, I should say. And then the last pick for me is Aaron Rye. Top 40 on DraftKings at plus 110. My model had him priced at minus 130. It seems like the market across the board is set at minus 150 at all the legal books in the United States. I don't respect him nearly that much, but I do like the course comp that my model seemed to pick out here of Torrey Pines, and that's when Aaron Rye had his best finish this season in a very strong field as well. So the iron play, the long iron play, I should say, again, is elite, a great approach player, and the ability to handle the wind that he showed at Torrey Pines is something that I like a lot. Add the pricing discrepancy to that and that was enough for me to take that to the window spencer what is on the card this week my man thanks nick i will give two on the show today the mexico opens a volatile tournament which i believe means you can play things a little more aggressively than usual inside of the placement market but i will start off with one of the more conservative plays you will ever hear out of me in tony finau top 40 minus 150 DraftKings, minus 165 fan duel it's going to be a very heavy Finau week on my card for both DFS and betting as he's the only golfer in this field that ranks inside the top 16 in all statistical metrics that I ran. I tend to like how his putting improves when the greens slow down a bit because he gives himself a ton of chances with his irons. And I believe he can be more aggressive on his putts because of the stickier past palm surface. And then the second play I want to talk about is JT Poston top 40 plus 140 DraftKings plus 130 FanDuel. Poston has shown some life recently with back-to-back top 41 performances, and we have seen a massive improvement with his results anytime he gets a venue that has easy-to-hit fairways with no rough. Poston ranks inside the top 15 on pass palm and par 5 birdie or better percentage, and while the irons do leave something to be desired, his weighted tee to green number still received a 19-spot boost in my model because of his strengths in other areas. For me, that is one of my preferred ways to attack the board. But if you have a legal book that pays ties in full, there are a ton of top 20 options that I like taking a shot on because of their trajectory in my model that shows high upside to go along with a low floor. I typically prefer to play the volatile wagers in that fashion since the exposure creeps up quickly uh, on these boomer bust targets. But options like Alex Smalley, Danny Lee, Michael Thompson, Nick's boy, Trey Molinax and Adam Shank are all potential plays if you can find them at the right number. You know, I'm glad you said Trey Molinax, my boy, the Bama product. I did look at him a little bit, but didn't get to the window. So to recap, we got Charles Howell, top 40, Aaron Rye, top 40, Tony Finau, top 40, and JT Poston, top 40. We will kick it back to you, Jason, and good luck to all this week. Time to make our lineup for the week. Uh, I will let you go first because, well, you always go first, but especially this week. I just, I, I'm not sure I want to do it. I, I'd like to defer. I'm deciding between whether Sahith Tagala, who we're both on, or Cameron Tringali. I'll leave Tagala for you. I'll say Tringali. He was my favorite play. I really think he could win the tournament. Top 50 golfer. I say it again with a high voice. 
He's a pretty good player. 9,700. I think maybe Gary Woodland might take a lot of his thunder in that price mm-hmm. range. Okay. Well, if you're going to literally say I'm leaving Figala for you, he was <laughs> going to be my first pick anyway. And then okay. you told me to take him with my first pick. So I'm going to take him. I'm very high on Sahit Figala. This kid's going to be not just a top 50 player. He's going to be a top 20 player in the world. I'll go maybe not this point next year, but this point 18 months from now. How about okay. that? Give me a little more leeway. I think a year and a half from now, Sahith Figala is a top 20 player. It might happen sooner. We've seen some guys at his age just all of a sudden light it on fire and, and start becoming superstars out there. But it's coming. You won't see him at these prices much longer. Jump on it while you can. I'll take a guy who we're both on, and that's Austin Smotherman, 7,800. Real good price at 7,800. Once you're in the sevens, you're sort of a Swiss Army knife. He can fit into all kinds of lineups there. 18th on tour, strokes gained approach. Important number this week. Top 50, strokes gained T to green. Again, Hall of Fame number in this field. Austin Smotherman, former Mexico Open champion, $7,800. Yeah, I like that a lot. In fact, that was going to be my next play. So you and I are very much on the same page with a lot of these picks. This guy you did not have, but I don't care. I like him. He's saving us a ton of money. And again, he makes cuts on the PGA Tour. He's very close to getting his number on the Corn Ferry Tour. Patrick Flavin is a really good player. He's essentially the type of player that just needs a chip in a chair. He just needs an opportunity to play at the game's highest levels. He's getting that again this week at 6,500. I see him as a tremendous value. I expect something in at least making the cut. He's around on the weekend. I don't want to go too far, but 6,500 in this field, you get a guy who's playing four rounds and he's essentially made his value back, if not more so. So many guys are coming into this week, probably thinking, I can make my season, I could make my career, I can make my season with a high finish, get my card for next year. I mean, if they win, then it alters their career. So many guys are thinking that. I think Wyndham Clark has a chance, a chance this week with his length and his potting, even coming off a pretty good week at Harbortown or shorter track. So we've got a lot of cash left. He's only 7,600. Big fan of Wyndham Clark. Essentially, the two best clubs in his bag are the driver and the putter. And if you can drive the ball and you can put it at some point, the other 12 clubs in the bag are going to work just decent for you in a week. And you're going to go out there and do some really good things. So I like the Clark play. I've got 9,600 left to spend. I certainly, as I mentioned earlier, don't mind Chris Kirk at 9,600, but I'm going to bypass him for the player just below him. My favorite outright play on the board. I think he's a really smart play this week. He's starting to trend back in the right direction again. It's been almost four years Since Aaron Wise first won on the PGA Tour, he's too good to go that long in between victories. I think he gets another one at some point soon. Could happen this week. 9,500, locking in Wise. There's the lineup, Len, which I really like. Wyndham Clark, Patrick Flavin, Austin Smotherman, Sahith Thigala, Cameron Tringali, and Aaron Wise. What do you think? It's as good as anything (laughs) else out there. (laughs) Circle back on Sunday night or hopefully not Friday night, but no, I think there's a lot there. I think there's going to be a lot of trouble. People getting six for six again, you're not going to get rich with five for six, but you're going to get your money back and maybe a little something else if you can get five through this week. And and that's going to be tough getting five. Thanks so much to everybody out there for listening. Remember you can find the links and locks podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcast, download, subscribe, rate and listen every single week for Len Hochberg. I'm Jason Sobel. Good luck with all your DFS lineups for this week's Mexico Open. Here's hoping you hit the green.